Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. This is a special episode on social media policies with Chris Boudreau, who operates the website socialmediagovernance.com and who specializes in helping organizations develop social media policies. It's a joint interview conducted by myself and my co-writer, Paul Gillen. Uh, We're writing a book, and uh, we just got the title from the publisher today. It is going to be Social Marketing to the Business Customer, Listen to your B2B market, generate major account leads, and build client relationships. And the book is expected to be out uh, in January or February of next year, uh, 2011. Uh, the interview with uh, Chris Boudreau on social media policies is quite in-depth, and I found it quite interesting. Uh, I hope you enjoy it, and we are going to play it for you in its entirety after this. The top-rated, longest-running social media communications training program comes to Los Angeles this August 2010. Bring your laptop, log on, and learn the ins and outs of effective social media communications and search engine optimization. Reserve your space by logging on to www.newmediaprbootcamp.com. So it's important to let employees know where the boundaries are so that they can make smart decisions, uh, you know, when no one's there to force them, which is, you know, is actually a good thing. You want to empower your employees to to be able to make smart decisions. At the same time, policies that only focus on what employees shouldn't do are, are kind of immature relative to the full potential of a social media policy. And the leaders in the space, in addition to providing those thoughtful boundaries for employees, will also determine ways that employees should use or could use social media to help the business achieve you know, higher-level objectives or differentiation versus competitors and those kinds of things. And so the extent to which an organization publishes information that helps really empower employees with the right levels of accountability in a more you know, differentiated direction uh, you know, that's, that's really when policies start to add a lot of value for an organization. And that's definitely not about what you can't do. Uh, any, any thoughts on, um, on how uh, specific policies need to be? And by that, I mean, do you need to, to give uh, examples of what you, you know, you can say this, you can't say that, or do you prefer a more, more of a framework approach? Um, you know, it, it really depends. So, uh, on the on the topic, I think it makes sense to probably for most organizations say something like, you know, if you're contacted by the press with a question regarding our company, please, you know, forward their inquiry inquiry to this person at this email address or this phone number, and give specific instructions so that folks know, hey, don't. Don't go let the local newspaper quote you about our position on, you know, global warming or whatever it might be, right? Instead, let our, let our folks who are trained in, you know, 
to handle media inquiries, handle those inquiries. And so that can be some, some pretty specific guidance. I mean, you wouldn't list necessarily specific exa- uh, cases. You might list some examples. Um, you know, if, if, a, if a competitor calls you and asks you about, for example, our pricing or our position on, you know, an issue that's happening in the market or what, list a few examples, but I think it's better to be more general in something like that. But do provide specific instructions on how they handle it. I would also, you know, for example, if you have like a large sales force and you think there's an opportunity for your sales force to develop relationships or develop leads or those kinds of things in social media, then you might provide both specific and general guidance that helps your employees do that more effectively. And that's not staying out of trouble. That's, you know, that's more of the second level of using social media uh, to support your business objectives. If you are engaged by a company uh, to help them with policy, and uh, when you are engaged, they're currently blocking access to social networks from their computer network, how might that change your approach? Um, it wouldn't really change my approach. I mean, my approach in general is to understand their business objectives and then their objectives that, you know, that social media uh, can support to help advance those business objectives. And, you know, from there you can start to talk about what might be appropriate strategies or uses of social media, both things officially used by the, you know, by the company and all as well as the things that make sense for employees. And, you know, from there, it might turn into a conversation around the fit with those, you know, those ideas with their, the context of the organization, their competitive environment, their existing corporate culture, and, you know, leadership styles and all of those kinds of things, which are, you know, very important considerations but I certainly wouldn't start with, uh, so you're interested in social media policies. Do you block access to for your employees today? I think that's, that's not really the right order of thinking to help uh, an organization you know, get the most out of social media and, and really develop thoughtful strategies for themselves. But, but if, if you see that an organization is from the get-go blocking access and it appears right. as though... It, and it appears to you that um, that's incongruent with their business objectives. I mean, does that at least sit, is that like a red flag that makes you say to yourself, "Hey, this is going to take a little more time. I've got a little bit more education to do here." I mean, what if anything does that tell you? Well, I think it it just tell it, it tells me that I need to seek to understand their current context and their current environment. And, and, and their culture, because uh, there is no one right answer for every organization regarding social media policies. So, you know, in the insurance industry, for example, a lot of organizations are simply on lockdown. You know, employees just aren't allowed to access or use those things uh, from work or uh, to talk about their company in their personal social media. And that may be fine for an organization or an industry that's still trying to figure some things out where the penalties of making a mistake are very, very severe, both, you know, for the individuals potentially 
and for the organization. Uh, so I wouldn't judge an organization based on their existing policy in that way. I just think it's an important thing to consider, and, and it's not so much a red flag about the organization as it is uh, a tip that, you know, I, would, I, need to understand, uh, I need to understand them and where they're coming from before I try and suggest what they should or shouldn't do. Does that make sense? Well, would, would you, yeah, would you at least uh, estimate that it's going to take you a little more time for that type of an engagement? Not necessarily. I mean, I've seen, I've seen organizations turn off access and turn it back on very quickly because, uh, you know, someone in the IT organization decided to turn it off, and then someone who was able to argue the case for why it should be turned back on did that, and it happened pretty quickly. So it's not necessarily an indicator of, of how long it would take to achieve any particular change. Um, necessarily. Does that make sense? What, yeah. What about um, the size of the organization? How does the size of the organization play into the amount of effort uh, to, in developing social media policy? Um, it's probably not about size as much as it is organizational complexity. So if there are lots of different business units or lots of different subcultures, or those kinds of things, um, then if you're trying to create one policy that fits the entire organization, that can be challenging. And size would probably correlate with that somewhat, but it's not really about how many employees you have or what your total revenue is. Um, it's really more about you know how homogenous is your overall culture and the different types of uh, Operating models that you have, or um, you know, the types of employees and how, and, and the types of client relationships or customer relationships that you have, and those kinds of things. Uh, I want to ask you, Chris, uh, as I ran into a situation a couple of years ago with a client that had a very large unionized workforce, and we were talking about how they could use social media, and they kept getting stuck on the fact that uh, you know they were in active conflict with a large number of their employees uh, who were union members. In your view, should they have a single social media policy that covers everyone, or can you have gradations? Well, you know, irrespective of whether there are unions in your organization, I think it definitely makes sense to have distinct policies for distinct purposes. And uh, so what I typically suggest is that you might have one policy that covers all of your employees and gives them kind of the broad boundaries um, and suggestions for relevant to their you know, use of social media in the workplace and maybe even their personal use of social media. So you might probably say, if you have a blog, that's great. But if you say anything about you know, the tech, you know, your work or the company, just make sure you let folks know that these, those opinions are yours and not the opinions of the company and you're you know, appropriately disclosing your relationship with the company so everybody understands what's going on. So that's fine, and that probably can apply to anybody in the company, from the CEO on down. Um, then you might want to have different guidelines for folks, for example, who actually work in social media as part of their job. So if you have a team that actually responds to customer tweets or you know, is listening to social media uh, and aggregating insights about that for product development purposes or things of that nature, 
And you probably want to have some guidelines for those folks that are more operationally focused and um, more specific around things that would impact their success in their role. So, for example, let's say you have an organization that has lots of different product managers, and you anticipate that all these product managers are probably going to have a Twitter account because maybe they serve different customer segments or deal with very different products. It probably makes sense to establish a single consistent format for Twitter IDs, for example. And you probably want to help educate those people about style that makes sense for your brand and maybe timeliness of responses to customers or whatever your sort of brand and operational uh, you know, guidelines might be, you wouldn't publish those to every employee in the company because it's not relevant to every employee in the company. Does that make you see what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So uh, a set of sub-guidelines, I think you, you said this in your white paper, you recommend having several documents. Yes. Great. Doesn't that, doesn't that just make it more complex in terms of managing and policing policy? Um, I don't if you, I guess if you tried to have one person own all policies, then that may make it a little complex. But that would be like trying to have one person accountable for every team and every employee in the organization, from HR to IT to customer support. And I think, you know, that the idea is that if you have if you have someone who's leading a team or who sort of has broad responsibility for a certain segment that's using social media in a unique way, that it probably makes sense for the folks responsible for that group to provide guidance. Um, that's thoughtful and helpful to those people. So would that be the person would that who, be, would, would that be guidance or would it be official policy? Well, I'm not sure what the difference is exactly. Uh, I mean, policy would be. Sorry. Policy would be um, something that's been instituted into the HR manual, and uh, guidance would be something that hasn't officially been instituted at that level. Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that social media policies are necessarily belong to HR, although HR certainly needs to be involved. So lots of organizations publish policies that perhaps belong to marketing or perhaps belong to IT or perhaps belong to the legal department. And so they're not necessarily part of the HR manual. They might just exist in the policy section of your employee portal, for example. So I'm not sure that boundary, you know, makes the right amount of sense for, for these kinds of information. I think the point is that, you know, each organization might have a different different answer for where do we store this information that we're publishing to employees? And so whether you call it a policy or you call it guidance or, or whatever it's called, um, you know, the, the, in the end, you want employees to understand what are the boundaries, how would you like them to use social media to advance the objectives of the organization, and where do they need to go to find more information when they need it? You know? Do you think if... Um if some issues were addressed in a less formal guidelines document and some issues right. were addressed in, in a formal policy that was part of the HR doc, 
that they signed off on when they took their job or when they got their new HR doc every year. Do you think that that would like give uh, an employee less confidence in the protections of a of a policy? You know, if all it was was guidance. Well, what do you mean by the protections? What would be an example? Well, I mean, it just seems it's, it seems to me um, that um, if an organization is going to be successful with social media, it needs to figure out a way um, to get people in the organization comfortable sharing on the company's behalf. <clears throat> because, um, you know, the, the audiences are all so small. The communities are so small. So, you know, in contrast to the world of advertising where organizations, you know, would buy uh, a ratings point or whatever and reach a million people, now they're reaching all these small communities. And that um, really isn't scalable unless the organization can leverage the size of its addressable market, be it in employees or resellers or customers or whatever. So it seems to me that an effective policy would, would, would try to make people feel safe uh, with sharing on the company's behalf and give them you know, clear, clear guidelines about how to do that. Okay. Do you agree? Um, I, I, so I, there, there are a few points in there, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and hit them, but uh, if I miss one, let me know. So I, I do think that it's the responsibility of leadership to think ahead of your employees Think about the ways that uh, they could put themselves at risk and help make them smart about those risks so that they're protecting themselves, especially if they're using social media within their job role. And that definitely should go uh, a long way toward your safety, the safety objectives that you describe. I also think it's responsibility of leadership to think ahead of the employees and decide what the boundaries are that make sense for your organization, and then let employees know, here's what is appropriate for our organization, and here's what's not appropriate for our organization, because the answers definitely vary by organization. And it's a little bit uh, irresponsible to just wait and say, well, we haven't figured out all the answers, so we're just not going to tell employees anything. Um, I think that's probably, you know, you could probably do a little bit more for your organization if that's, if that's the current position. So, uh, you know, at the same time, though, I don't think that it makes sense to suggest necessarily that all organizations should empower their employees, all of their employees, to interact with customers and so on and so forth. You know, in, in financial services, there are regulations that require financial services companies to store for years anything that their you know, financial advisors say to customers about their products, I'm being a little bit broad and generic here, but essentially, you know, if the financial advisor posts something on their LinkedIn profile about the products that they sell, then generally the, the, the company that they work for has to store that for three years and, um, you know, make that accessible if they're audited and so on. And the technology is catching up but isn't totally there yet to support that kind of interaction. So there are a lot of reasons for organizations to be very careful and to not just jump into this, the, you know, into social media in everything that they do. So, uh, you know, I think it makes sense to be thoughtful about that as well. I, I, yeah, I don't think you're... 
I don't think your example is extreme at all. You're right. In regulated industries, uh, it, it could be that every communication related to a customer or an issue is discoverable, and that can include IMs and uh, Facebook messages and, and everything. Right. But couldn't that, right. Issue, couldn't that issue be solved by just mandating in the policy that unless you can link to it on the company's website, you can't talk about it or share it? So, for example, you're saying that you would suggest, in this case, to financial advisors, don't talk about your pro our products unless you're just linking to something that's on our website? No, don't um, talk about your products in social media unless you can reference a, a, a link where that information is publicly available on our site. Well, but I think the problem is you know, social media is not... The fact that things are social isn't the problem. The fact that with the problem is that the technologies that people are using in that space aren't designed to support the audit trail that are required in certain circumstances. So, you know, it's it's not just about social media. It's about your emails and 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 then everything that you you share with customers in those industries. You know, so. Uh, yeah, you could put. A, you, I mean, that's that's sort of why a lot of these industries have their employees on lockdown because they're not able to ensure regulatory compliance. Uh, and it's not necessarily that they're afraid of losing control of their brand. It's just that they are. The technologies do not allow them to, you know, to comply with the laws that they have to comply with right now. So they have to put things on lockdown. And I think that's what you're describing. But that's, you know, that's sort of what you have to do right now, but it's not the ideal solution. Um, and it's certainly one of those cases where you have to use policies to inform your employees about the appropriate boundaries, which is a lot of the don't do, the things that they can't do. You know, for example, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. Um, yeah, no, no, I think that's fine. Let's talk for a minute about uh, language. Um, you know, often uh, when, when legal gets involved, the language gets more difficult to understand. Um, what's, your, what's your experience with that? I mean, do you try to come up with a policy that's going to work for the lowest level employee from an education standpoint? Or, you know, is it okay if the language is a little cryptic and bureaucratic? Well, the whole point of the policy, I mean, the policy needs to be written in such a way that the people who are covered by the policy can understand it and digest it. So it wouldn't make much sense to write a policy that it can't be interpreted by the people it's trying to govern or inform. Um, you know, another point about that is a lot of organizations make their social media policies public. And if you're going to do that, then the folks writing a policy need to probably connect with marketing to make sure that the policy accurately reflects the brand. Uh, in the ways that you would want, so that especially if job candidates are in, in, in investigating the company and researching online and they come across your social media policy and they read this and it's scary or uh, seems too restrictive or indica indicative of a culture that they feel like would not be a fit for them, you know, I think you, it's important to think ahead about the potential implications of, of those kinds of things. So, you know, collaboration between marketing and legal, especially because marketing usually has a lot of subject matter expertise in social media, and that kind of collaboration can be very helpful. A question about uh, intrusion into employees' 
personal lives, uh, Chris, if you've got a situation where, say, an employee uh, is in their spare time is you know hanging out and commenting on a on, on a white supremacy site uh, under a pseudonym, but it could be possible for someone to figure out and trace back who that person is. Uh, is that an open and shut case, uh, whether that's permissible or not, whether, whether a company can regulate that? Uh, no, it's not. Because if you think through how that would actually play out, there are a lot of questions uh, in, at play. So, um, you know, first of all, there was a case in New Jersey where uh, I'll, I'll, I'll broadly summarize this for the sake of time, but um, there's more detail of it on my blog. Essentially what happened was there were some employees that were, uh, who created a group on uh, MySpace, and it was password-protected, invite-only group. And you know, part of what they did in that group was talk about things they did outside of work, some of which involved uh, illegal activity, <laughs> and some of it involved complaining about their jobs. And um, one of the people who, one of the employees who were in that group were uh, coerced into giving up the login information to get into that group. And so management of the restaurant was able to get in and see what employees were saying and fired some employees because of it. And uh, so that the employers got sued and it went to court and uh, the employees won because uh, an array of laws, um, some of them federal, were, uh, and actually I think it was settled, sorry, it wasn't, there wasn't a judgment, it was actually settled, um, but, uh, you know, some of the laws that were, were being brought up were wiretapping laws and, and very serious federal laws because the, they coerced, you know, access to those electronic communications, and it wasn't public discourse, uh, and it wasn't given freely to those managers. So, when you say... If it's possible to discover their identity, because it, well, how are you going to discover it? You know, and are you doing something illegal to discover it, or you know, because if it's not public communications uh, and and so on, there there are a lot of laws that um, could get the employer in a lot of trouble. But I, I, let, me, let me rephrase the question. You're right, but let, I want to rephrase the question. It, let's say in in this case that person is on Facebook and it says on Facebook that they work for, you know, 3M, and they're uh, an active member of, of you know, uh, uh, some sort of anti-Semitic group on Facebook. Can the company, if the company does not believe, uh, you know, in those principles, or if the company uh, objects to those principles, can the company step in and say, you can't do this because it reflects badly on the company? You know, I'm not sure of the answer to that question, and I'm not sure what the precedents are for that, and it might depend on the, by state. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of things around free speech and so on that um, are kind of being hashed out by this. But, you know, social media does not... Social media makes it easy for people to do these kinds of things in a way that lots of people find out about it very quickly. But, you know, there's... For people could, for a very long time, could build a website that said this kind of stuff or you know, go on television and say these kinds of things. So, you know, what employees can or can't do when someone says something in public isn't, you know, it isn't any different because of social media. So the boundaries have changed 
the you know the, the, the rules haven't changed, the relevant laws haven't changed. Um, so I think most HR and, and, and legal departments probably have an understanding of the relevant laws in those cases and what, what they can and can't do to employees who might say things in public, whether it's in social media or not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, okay. So um, where does that, uh, how does that um, jive with non-disclosure agreements? Because in a non-disclosure agreement, you're legally uh, precluded from sharing information however you do it. So what you're saying, as long as the way that the company polices it is not illegal, then then it's okay. No, no. Um, I mean, there's a big difference between legal protections or requirements that apply to everybody who lives in a certain state or everybody who lives in a certain country versus a legal agreement that you enter, to, you enter into individually that may have more or less restrictions than the local laws. So if I sign an NDA, then it's a whole different ballgame, right? And it just depends on the terms of the NDA and the enforceability of the NDA in whatever jurisdiction that NDA is created. When you, you look know, back so, at this uh, New Jersey case study that you mentioned, like now yeah, in yeah. retrospect... Is there anything the company could have done with policy to uh, have prevented um, the employees from being able to win this uh, judgment or settle out? Well, I don't. I mean, I don't think the goal of the employer should be to figure out ways to let their managers go, uh, you know, invading their employees' privacy. <laughs> I think the lesson is if you have employees who are using social media. Especially, I mean, if you have if you have a lot of younger employees, you know, teenagers tend to do reckless things. It's a fact. Um, and, you know, and the folks who are managing those teams need to understand what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and how they should handle these kinds of situations. So, I mean, ideally, the whole thing never would have happened. Um, and hopefully, you know, no managers at that company or any other company ever go coerce people's login credentials for any purpose. Um, do you know what I mean? Should a good policy address policing as well? Uh, I think so, but it may not be a policy that gets published to all employees. It may be a you know guidance to managers. It may not. So you may not need to tell all employees that managers shouldn't go coercing credentials. <laughs> But you can imagine um, in any company, uh, as part of your annual training, where you talk about things like sexual harassment and uh, disclosure of proprietary information, you also talk about, you know, and maybe it's the annual manager training, so when people are promoted to manager, it's part of their training of, you know, here's our policies around social media, and here are some scenarios that you may encounter, and here's how we would like you to handle it. You know, that, those could be some approaches that might make sense. On May 6th and 7th, 2010, in New York City, co-chairs Elizabeth Albrecht and Eric Schwartzman, with the support of PRSA, bring you the third annual Digital Impact Conference, featuring keynote presentations from Gabriel Stricker, Director of Global Communications and Public Affairs at Google, Jennifer Preston, Social Media Editor of the New York Times, and Jeremiah Oyak, 
analyst and partner at the Altimeter Group. To save $100 on admission, visit ontherecordpodcast.com for the promo code before you register. I picked up the recent issue of the Harvard Business Review because the cover article was Leadership in the Age of Transparency. And um, mm-hmm. I read this story in here by Christopher Meyer and Julia Kirby, and it says, you know, companies have long prospered by ignoring what economists call externalities. Now they must learn to embrace yeah. them. And it basically just goes mm-hmm. through the argument that everything's public now. So, you know, you may have dumped uh, sewage in the, in, the, in, the, in the river, you know, 10 years ago and gotten away with it, but now all that's going to be attributed back to you. And I wonder if that um, means that, you know, does, does fairness have to be, should fairness be an objective of social media policy? Because if you think about most corporate agreements, you know, that, that you may have signed over the course of your professional career, they're usually pretty one-sided, usually written, you know, clearly to, 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 to favor the, uh, the company. So when it comes right. to a social media policy, something that may be shared or posted, or even if you don't share it, doesn't mean someone else won't share it inadvertently once you fire them anyways. I mean, where does the, how does that factor into the design of a policy? I think it's really a question of leadership. I mean, ultimately, policies in social media are just part of, they're one of, of a few interdependent tools that an organization should be using to help them achieve their objectives you know, using social media. And so, to me, the question is, what's your leadership style? How do you manage your organization? Uh, How inclusive are you? How participative, collaborative, directive, open, uh, empowering are you as a leader? And then, what's the right policy to support your objectives in a way that's consistent with the culture and your leadership style? And, you know, the answer to that question is going to be different for each leader, somewhat. And, you know, you and I may not like a lot of the answers that a lot of leaders arrive at, but, you know, we have the choice to not work for those people. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think it just, it's just going to depend. Everybody has to kind of figure it out for themselves. And, you know, luckily we live in a free market where folks can... Um, uh, you know, can kind of decide for themselves where they want to work, where they want to buy products, and so on. And and those two things are really all the ultimate consequences of the decisions that that organizations make and really the leaders make around their social media policies and their use of social media in general. Does policy have to be uh, leadership-led, I mean, to work, or can it bubble up? I think the best policy would be leadership-led, and that may not mean that they need to be in every detail of it, because certainly, as well as legal and marketing and and IT and so on. Um, And I think it makes the best policies, the best policies are born out of a desire to utilize social media in a way that advances the corporate objectives and to both protect the employees as well as the company. Um, and that takes an understanding of the business 
which uh, is usually strongest in the folks who are running the business, right? Uh, so, you know, leadership participation is certainly always helpful uh, if you can get it. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.